0: Folk, in the Bibles, in the racks of your seats, it's page 937 for the little book of Haggai, just a few pages in from the back, the end of the Old Testament. Haggai was a prophet who had the responsibility of conveying God's words to the people of his time. Now the 38 verses of the little book can be divided into five parts as you see in the diagram and this morning we consider the response of the people to Haggai's first message and then we have a look at his second message. But first a little bit of a review from last week. In the year 537 B.C., the people who returned from exile in Babylon began to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And that really is the theme of the book of Haggai. But they gave up when they struck trouble and opposition. However they kept on building their own homes but they found that life was not easy because God sent hard times upon them because they had become self-centred. And in 520 BC, Haggai gave his first message and we noted in that message three contrasts. First, on the one hand, the Almighty says... And on the other hand the people said. Then there was the house of the Lord which was in ruins but then there were the houses of the people that were panelled houses. Then they were reminded of life as God intended it for them to be. But on the other hand there was life as they were daily experiencing it. And God urged the people through Haggai's message to give careful thought to their words. And he also reminded them of an unchanging truth in Scripture. Obedience brings blessing, but disobedience leads to trouble. Well now there are some more notes on the table at the back as you leave but I'm a little bit worried because people are coming to me and say, oh, could I have a copy for so and so and I'd like to send a copy to someone else and I may not still have enough. Well that doesn't matter, come back next week and we'll fix it. But first let's have a prayer together. I want you to pray this prayer with me before we actually look at the text. Praying together, Father, as we come together round your holy word, May our minds and hearts be open and your voice be heard. May the Holy Spirit guide us to the truth, we pray, and help us to respond with gladness. Trust you and obey. Amen. So the response to Haggai's first message, chapter 1, page 937, verse 12. Now in this verse, we see a surprising response from the people to God. Reading the verse, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people... Feared the Lord. The verse mentions again the leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua, and the people. Now, how good to see that the people obeyed the voice of the Lord. Now, such a response would be more exciting for a prophet than a premiership for a Collingwood supporter, (laughs) because prophets usually had a tough time. And these people feared the Lord. Now it was not a frightened fear, but rather it was a respect for God, respect for his word, and then respect for the prophet who made it known to them. We also note that the people and their leaders were united in their response. We might well pray, O Lord, may that happen more often. We see in this verse also that little phrase, the whole remnant of the people. Well, we need to remember that not all those who lived in Jerusalem had been taken away to Babylon as exiles and then not all who did go to Babylon wanted to return. And so although there was 50,000 of them who did return, They were still only a small part of the entire nation. But that's the people's response to God. Now what's God's response to the people's obedience? Verses 13 and the first part of verse 14. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel He stirred up the spirit of Joshua the governor, the the high priest. And he stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. Here was another message through Haggai I am with you, declares the Lord. Now, what a promise. They might have well thought God had forgotten them, given them up. When having returned from exile, they struck drought and hardship. But no, God was alerting them to the danger of their self-centredness and their apathy. But God did not only say something to them, he did something. And in the first part of verse 14, He stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and Joshua and the whole remnant of the people. He empowered them, both leaders and the people. What a transformation when God works like that. Well, what's the practical outcome? The rest of verse 14 and then verse 15. They came and began... Work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. The people organised themselves and got to work. God's word had been received by Haggai, communicated to the people who received and obeyed. What an exciting time. Now it all happened within about three weeks of them hearing Haggai speak. And God was working for them and he was working in them to further his plans. Well that was the wonderful response of the people to that first message that we thought of last week. Now we come to Haggai's second message. We move into chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Verses 1 and 2 give us an introduction. On the 21st day of the seventh month, we've moved out of the sixth month now and into the seventh month. About three weeks or about a month has gone by. And the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai Speak to Zerubbabel, speak to Joshua. And speak to the remnant of the people and ask them. So, these opening verses tell us that that period of time had passed, and now this new message was given to the people and to the leaders. Haggai was to ask them some questions. He is a master at using questions to get his point across. Who of you is left who saw this house, the temple, In its former glory? Question 1. How does it look to you now? Question 2. Does it not seem to you like nothing? Question 3. Now these questions relate to the previous temple, the one destroyed by the Babylonians many years before. Now who would remember that temple? Well probably there were some in the crowd who did. Now that of course was Solomon's spectacularly grand temple and now their restoration efforts look a bit basic and humble by comparison. No gold lining now, no expensive tapestries. It's likely that some of them said, oh dear, it's not like it used to be. But actually God is at work and he's preparing the people for a far-reaching lesson about temples, God was going to give them a glimpse into the future of things that would happen in their time. But we ought to pause here for a moment. What, What really was the distinguishing feature of the temple? Was it the building itself or was it the presence of the one who could be found there? We move on to verses 4 and 5. Summarising these verses, but now God says be strong and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Haggai's favourite description of God. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Now, there were the questions in verse 3, and we haven't had answers to them really. But the promise that was stated in that response of the people we just considered a few moments ago is now repeated. I am with you declares the Lord Almighty. And the people were to work together but they were not alone. God was with them and they could look forward to an interesting future. Now of course their present adversities were real but they were reassured in verse 5 that God's spirit remained with them and there was no reason to fear. Is such a promise from God still true for us in our day? The writer of Hebrews reminded his readers who at that time were passing through troubles that God had said never will I leave you. Never with God means never. God is always with his people and that is another important unchanging truth. Well now this glimpse into the future, verses 6 to 9, we begin at verse 6. How's it going, Steve? Here it comes. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. Now some of these people probably scratched their heads and thought once more, um, when, when was it that God did these sort of things before? Well, they could recall the deliverance from Egypt when a number of strange things happened in the natural world. And then there were the crumbling walls of Jericho when their ancestors entered the promised land. God told them here that he would work again in ways like that. And then we see it's in a little while but of course in life we've learned that God's little while is not always the same as ours. And we move to verse 7. God says, I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. Here it comes, look at that. Now, these actions by God would have two outcomes. Number one, the desired of all nations would come. And secondly, the temple would be filled with glory. Now, what does this mean? There are some commentators who say that verses 6 and 7 point to activities of the promised Messiah. Promised by numbers of the prophets. Others suggest that what all nations desire is peace and prosperity. And actually, they're spoken of in verses 8 and 9. But I think probably it means both. Because when the promised Messiah Jesus came, he brought peace with God and he gives us riches beyond what money can buy. Now we actually notice a change in this message. Message one was about looking back and remembering. But now God is giving them a glimpse into the future, look forward to things that are still to happen. So we'll take a little closer look at this. We might recall that there are references to upheaval by other prophets in the Old Testament. For example, in Isaiah, when considering the future of Babylon in his chapter 13, God said through Isaiah, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty. Then in Ezekiel 38, another judgment prophecy, the sovereign Lord said in my zeal and fiery wrath... I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Thirdly, when writing of judging of the nations, the the prophet Joel records God as saying the sun and moon will be darkened. Stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the sky will tremble. We read a little bit from Psalm 46 before. Same sort of thing as talked about there. Now of course the promised Messiah did come. But how does this link up with thoughts about the temple? Actually we have here a developing revelation about God's presence with his people. God's presence among those in the Old Testament times was closely identified with a structure. First it was the tabernacle, then the temple which Solomon built in Jerusalem and which the people were then restoring. Now the temple was where God was present with his people. But then in due time Jesus did come. And on one occasion he actually spoke of his body as being the temple, talking with the Jews in the temple courts in Jerusalem. He said, destroy this temple. They thought he meant that one. But he said, I will raise it again in three days. And then John reminds us the temple he had spoken of was his body, not that one. God was now present among his people not in a building but in actual bodily form by the presence of Jesus among them. Then later in his ministry Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come and he would live in them. And after the Spirit came Paul wrote to immature Christians at Corinth and said, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? God's promise conveyed through Haggai to those discouraged people in Jerusalem in 520 BC was just four words. I am with you. Now that was then and is now and forever will be true irrespective of what trials, disappointments, frustrations, challenges occur. But depending when in history a person lived that may have been true by way of a temple building in the Old Testament or through Jesus when he was here Emmanuel, God, with us or through the indwelling Holy Spirit as is so in our time. It is an unchanging truth. God is with us. But there are some questions left unanswered. There must be still some more because not all that the prophets of the Old Testament had spoken about were fulfilled when Jesus came to Bethlehem. And New Testament writers writers take up the same theme. For example, Jesus himself says, as recorded by Matthew in his chapter 24, immediately after the distress of those days that Jesus had been talking about. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. The Apostle Peter goes on and in his second letter he says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. It's hard to imagine. It's dramatic. It's dramatic. And as a third example, when John recorded his vision at the end of times in Revelation, he wrote, the sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and every island was removed from its place. It hasn't happened yet. But what can we make of all this? These New Testament references point forward not to the first coming of Jesus but of course to the second coming the return of Jesus when all God's promises for his people will be fulfilled. On that great day of the Lord it will not be God present with us where we are here but us being present with God where he is there. That is the glorious end point and in the wonder of heaven full glory and splendour of God will be revealed. The temple will be filled with glory. But what of that temple? John goes on in Revelation to tell us that he did not see a temple in that heavenly city because the Lord Almighty the Lamb are its temple. So we return back to Haggai. He had been given a glimpse into the distant future. It was a future that reached beyond his own time and beyond the coming of Jesus to Bethlehem. Even beyond our own time it reached to the very end of human history. Just a glimpse, not much detail. And first... God was present in the Old Testament with his people in the temple. When Jesus came, God was physically present among his people. And following Pentecost, God was present through the Holy Spirit in his people. See the progression from the Old Testament to the first coming of Jesus, the coming of the Holy Spirit, God present with us, with his people, among his people, in his people. Did Haggai understand all this? I don't think so. But as we come to the end of that second message few things we should give careful thought to. What might rebuilding the temple mean to us in our day given Paul's words that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit it's not now working on a physical building that ensures God is with us. We can look at Paul's words written to the Christians at Colossae and he said to them keep on living in Jesus as Lord have your roots in him build yourselves up in him and grow strong in what you believe he is my all in all we sang earlier Now this is the answer to self centeredness and apathy. What a message Haggai was given for the people. What a message Haggai was given for us. We are to build ourselves up in him. Important for us at the beginning of another year to give careful thought to some of these important fundamentals of our faith. Now God's story will be completed when he shakes the whole creation and the desired of all nations comes but will we be ready for him? Jesus said Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. So recalling Haggai's challenge from the first message, we should give careful thought to our ways in the light of what God has told us. Now this has been a fairly demanding session a lot in those few verses for us and please see me afterwards if there are any points that are still not clear from that passage. Now next week we go on to the rest of chapter 2 and that finishes the little book And there are study notes on the little table at the back there for both study one and study two. And if we run out, please tell me and I'll provide some more. But now let's bow in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the unchanging truths of your word. When we trust and obey, there are blessings and through all the changing scenes of life, you are with us. And we thank you for the evidences in history that you are at work in the world. There is a plan for this world and its people. We are thankful that we live in this age of grace when your spirit lives within all those who accept what you have done for them through Jesus. We thank you for hope and the prospect that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Help us to give careful thought to what we have heard today and may the grace of the Lord Jesus, our coming King and the love of God, our Heavenly Father and the ever-present fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now. And each day, until that great day comes, Amen.